Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcasts. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, www.limitless-estates.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get into our show. On today's show, we have Kenneth Gee joining us. Kenneth, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks. Before we head into today's interview, here's a little bit about Kenneth. Kenneth is the founder and managing partner of KRI Partners and the KRI Group of Companies. He has more than 24 years of significant real estate, banking, private equity transaction, and principal investing experience. Throughout his career, Kenneth has been involved in transactions valued at more than $2 billion, much of which has been included the acquisition, management, and financing of various multifamily real estate projects. All right. So Kenneth, let's get right into it. And first, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. I'm the uh, managing member and founder of KRI Partners. It's actually a KRI group of companies. We're vertically integrated. So that means we do the investment side and then we manage our own deals. And we also do third-party management for others. Right now, we're focused on central and northern Florida and currently have uh, a private equity real estate fund that we're just wrapping up right now. Awesome. Well, congrats on your success so far. Let's stop, start by talking about the three things a real estate investment firm must have before you give them your money. Yeah. The number one thing that I say to everyone, make sure that they have experience. That, that is above and, beyond, above and beyond anything else. That is the most important thing that you want your investment firm to have. There's so many people out here doing it that don't have necessarily the experience. And the reason I say that is because think about uh, apartments is what we do. They're businesses. They just happen to be apartments. And so uh, associated with any business is going to be a senior management team that sort of steers the bus, figures out where to go strategically. And you want to have an experienced senior management team making those decisions. Think about the pandemic. Think about the uh, recession in 08, 09. It was the experienced management teams that were able to get their properties through that. The second thing would be track record. And the third thing would be uh, probably investor-friendly terms in terms of the, of the way that they treat their investors with respect to the, the waterfalls and things like that. Yeah, awesome. You know, every new syndicator or real estate investor has always has to answer the question, you know, have you ever done this before? And everyone's got to answer it no at one point in time. What kind of advice are you going to give to the person that doesn't have that number one, the experience? How can they get around that? Yeah, that's a good question. And you know what, 23, 24 years ago, I didn't have the experience. So I started uh, my first deal, I started with my in-laws. So I borrowed the money on my home equity line of credit. I don't recommend this, but this is what we did. This is what I did. I borrowed uh, half the down payment, raised the other half for my in-laws. So I used family of friends until I got comfortable. So I started understanding the business because especially, I mean, you're going to make mistakes always, but early on you make some bigger ones and you want to make sure that you're not doing that with someone else's money. So I always encourage people to do this slowly, do it, grow up in the business in a way that makes sense so that when you're risking significant amounts of someone else's money, 
that you're comfortable with it and you can legitimately say to them that you really know what you're doing. Yeah, I also love that you call it a business. I always say that we're buying multi-million dollar businesses here. I think a lot of people get caught up in the emotions and the fun and the sexiness of buying apartments and raising capital, but this is a multi-million dollar business at the end of the day and you need to know how to manage it as well, not just close on it. That's exactly right. Agreed. What is your philosophy on how to consistently make money in real estate? Yeah, good question. So my philosophy on how to consistently make money comes from what I've seen happen over the many years, and that is stick to the fundamentals. If the deal doesn't make sense fundamentally, then you shouldn't do it. If you find yourself, and people do this, right? They use the pencil to underwrite, or they use the delete button in Excel and change the numbers so that they kind of they back themselves into a corner with their underwriting. And suddenly they start to depart from fundamentals. And as soon as you're, as soon as you do that, you're really going to go into that realm of speculation, right? Because you're hoping things will turn out the way that you want them to. And the way to make money in this business consistently is to do your homework, make sure that everything makes sense, and you can you understand exactly why each number is the way it is on your pro forma, and be able to defend that to anybody that asks. Because if you do that, there's still the chance that things aren't going to go perfectly, but at least you're going to understand why they are what they are. And it's much less sort of a a wing and a prayer, so to speak, if you get into that speculation area. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the toughest things that we found while managing a multifamily property is really managing the renovation of them. I think a lot of firms struggle with really getting the most efficiencies out of their business when it comes to renovation management. Talk about some important steps you can follow or you must follow when you're renovating your multifamily property. Yeah, really good question. So the first thing I always tell people, start from the outside in. We like to renovate outside in. And think about Jerry Maguire, right? You had me at hello. That's what you want to do with prospective renters. You want to get them emotionally from the moment they step onto the property. And then we like to build out an amenity package. And then we get, we we follow the prospective renter all the way to their new home, make sure that everything looks great all the way there. And then when you open that door, you want to make sure that it doesn't let them down inside the units. So you notice that I started outside and I worked my way in. That's really important. The other thing that I think people really, especially with newer syndicators, is they laid out this business plan to their investors and they feel like that business plan is etched in stone. And if they were to to allow that to change any during the, the renovation period, that it might appear to their investors like they don't know what they're doing. And I'm here to tell you that every single one of our renovation plans has evolved over time because we're constantly evaluating. How much money do we have left? What did we need to spend money on we didn't plan to? So you've got to bring thing, new things in. You've got to cut some things out. And it's that, it's that experience. It's that you know, dynamic environment that you're in that allows you to, as long as you're reevaluating it and don't stick yourself in that corner where you can't make the changes. When you do make those changes, you're going to do much better for your investors because every one of your decisions are going to make more sense because the reality of the world is when you started on day one, versus day, you know, six months, a year down the road, you're still working on that renovation. The world has changed and you need to make sure that you're changing with it. So don't get hung up on that. Your investors really won't think that you don't know what you're doing. They're going to appreciate the fact that you're constantly reevaluating and looking out for their money. Love that. And now do you, what class asset are you investing in and why? Yeah, generally BC, we like that. And it's because of the demand supply issue. Remember I said we're in central and Northern Florida. That's not by accident. 
I like it because the demand for people moving into Florida, people, about a thousand people are moving into the Florida, the state of Florida every day. That's net in migration. Now, some of those people are wealthy. Some of them are not. In fact, most of them are not. So people say to me, Ken, yes, there's demand in Florida, but they're building like crazy. They are, but they're building A-class product. Yeah. They are not building BC stuff. So when you've got increasing demand, stable supply, that's going to automatically put upward pressure on rents because that's how economics works. So I call that a bull market. Then you lay on top of that a value-add business strategy, and you just get crazy returns because you're, everything's working together. Yep. You and I speak the same language. I mean, we're in Arizona where in that migration is strong as well, but a lot of similar factors there is, is Florida. For investors just getting started investing passively, how do you go about vetting a real estate investment firm? Yeah, really good question. I, I've come across a company, you've probably heard of them called Veravest. If mm-hmm. you haven't, take a quick look at them. They uh, they help, well, they actually come in and vet, uh, they'll vet the sponsors for you. For example, we paid them in a, it, it's a it's pretty expensive process to go through, but they ran, They I had to send them 23 years of tax returns, 23 years of settlement statements, bank accounts. They currently monitor us going forward. So they have our operating agreements. And then when we do something, we send it to them. They check it against the operating agreement. They're calling, they call it monitoring to make sure that we do are doing what we said we were going to do. So I, I don't like to plug them, but they provide a service that I don't think anyone else provides. So if I'm a passive investor, I'm absolutely going to want to migrate towards somebody who's had someone looking under the hood in a pretty detailed way. They also do background checks and everything else. All of those things a potential investor should do, but let's be realistic about how much time does a passive investor really have. I mean, I sent them over 400 pages of documents to to prove out everything that we've done and our track record that's on our site. Most sponsors or most uh, passive investors they just don't have the time to do that. And oftentimes they don't have the expertise to do it either. So that's that's what I recommend passive investors do is look to something like Verivest to see if that sponsor has been verified. Mm-hmm. How are you finding your deals right now? Obviously, we're in a strong seller's market. So you know, to be a seller right now is fantastic. But also mm-hmm. there's firms that need to be buyers as well. What are some things <clears throat> you're doing to separate yourselves to be able to find real opportunities, not just any deal? Remember, I said we're a vertically integrated company. So we do third-party management. So the first thing we do is develop an incredible relationship with the broker network. And yes, we buy and sell through them, but we also help them sell their deals to clients. In other words, they'll ask they'll ask us for underwriting guidance. We give that to them sometimes. They'll send us their clients for us to manage the deal so that they then know that they can get it on the turn and the property's been successful, so they're going to sell it. So number one is we develop a really deep network with our broker network. That, that I mean, that, that relationship is critical. The other thing that we do, and it has to do with the structure of how we've raised money. Most people are syndicators. So they'll go find the deal, then they'll work really hard to raise the equity. Done it myself many times. A couple of problems with that. Number one, it gives me a lot of gray hair as a sponsor. And number two, sellers have to take that leap of faith with syndicators that they can and will raise the money. So what we do is we have created a fund. So we, the syndicator puts the deal in front of the money. We flip it around and put the money in front of the deal. So now when we approach the $8, $10, $12, 15000000 million market, there's almost no fund managers pursuing those deals. We are. So we've set ourselves apart because that, that equity raise risk is 100% off the table with us. 
because we've already raised the money and it's in the bank waiting to be deployed. So that's how, those are some of the things that we do to make us more competitive. Yeah. How have you seen underwriting change over the last 12 months? I mean, at least in our market, the market's moved probably three times, if not more, in 12 months. Cap rates have compressed even more and more. Have you seen more aggressive underwriting to be able to compete or are you still sticking to your guns on what your your strict criteria are? Yeah, we need to stick. So you got to do a balancing act here, right? And it's in, in areas like Florida and you said you're in Arizona, so you're having the same thing. We learn to underwrite differently in growth markets. When you're in a non-growth market, what matters the most is the number you get in at. And yeah. the reason that is because, you know, they always tell you in non-growth markets, you make your money on the buy. Well, in growth markets, we actually turn that around and we look at it from the other side. We study it very carefully and we project and are pretty confident with our projections. We know where we're going to take that property. That allows us to back into what we're willing to pay for it which is a different approach because especially with growth markets, I mean, it's not uncommon in central and northern Florida for us to turn a unit and get two or 300 bucks, not uncommon at all. And yep. that allows us to be more aggressive on the underwriting side. Mm-hmm. If I did all of that analysis and I couldn't come out, we shoot for 15% annual ROI. If I can't get somewhere close to that, then I'm not going to do the deal. That's why we ask our, our investors to just please be patient because we kiss a lot of frogs before we find one we like. That's the way it is. No doubt about and, uh, it. What are some uh, new t- or tips for new investors if they're wanting to get into a new market? Yeah, I would. if I were to sum it up with one word, I would say, phrase, I would say, make sure you do your homework. So because we do third-party management, I am talking daily to people trying to get into the Florida market. And so many times I hear they want to underwrite the deal. They want to try to get an LOI signed, never having visited the deal, never having gone there, met the brokers, sort of got an understanding of what the market's really like. So it really is all about doing your homework. And before we, we came into Florida, this was 10 or 15 years ago, where I started making many, many trips. And I didn't think I was going to buy on one of those trips or any, many of those trips. But instead, I was trying to understand the markets getting to know who the brokers were, getting a feel for, you know, what, what, how things go in those markets. It's that homework and, and that underneath that umbrella of homework. I mean, I can go on for hours on that, but you just got to be willing to do the homework, start with the economics of the, of the area and then work your way all the way down. And if you do that, you'll be, you should be able to go into any new area with some confidence because you did your homework and you know what's going on. Yep. I mean, that's why we move to our market so we can be in our backyard so we can do even better homework, more diligent homework and and yep. quicker homework. You know, yep. you mentioned brokers a few times here. Can you talk about some mistakes maybe new investors make when they're first talking to brokers and trying to build that relationship? Yeah. In, uh, in markets like Central and Northern Florida, it's a lot about building your credibility. And so the number one thing that brokers have had to become good at in, in these markets is sniffing out guys and gals that kind of putting up a front that they really don't have, right? They're they're really good at that because that's their job, right? That when they're trying to figure out which offer to take, the sellers absolutely look to the brokers for the background on that buyer and the brokers need to have a good understanding of what they are. So I would say the number one thing for you to do is don't misrepresent who you are and what you have and and so on and so forth because you only get one shot at the, some of these markets. As soon as you go into the market and then you're not able to perform, well, good luck coming back because they all talk. And so I would just say, you know, it's just like anything in life, right? Be honest, 
be open, be transparent. And uh, that way brokers know that they can count on you. And then if you say you're going to be able to do something, they know they can take that to the bank, so to speak. So yep. that, th- that would be the, probably the best answer to that question. Great advice. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Right, Kenneth, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Yeah, the one tool I use is, <laughs> you're going to laugh, it, it's the internet. It, it, is, it is number one, the internet. And the reason I say that, I can do an enormous amount of homework on the internet. I, I actually, when we're looking at a property, I haven't been to this submarket before, I will go to Google Maps. I will bring mm-hmm. that property up. I will go find all of the apartment buildings around that property. Then I will drill down into the, each and every website and figure out exactly what's going on. Now, that's just preliminary research. But without that tool, without being able to go down to the street view and literally drive uh, mm-hmm. the property, I can tell what nice neighborhoods look like. I can tell what nice neighborhoods don't look like. I can tell a lot. And that is the best way to screen so to be without that tool, we'd have to go back to the old way. And that is go look at it, drive around and spend way more time than you would have to. So I'd say the number one thing is the internet. Can you tell us a story about one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing so far and the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, this is, this is a good one. So my number one advice to our clients and we tell our investors is it's really exciting to get that property into close. And you've built out this renovation plan. You are ready to go. You've got the contractors lined up. And the mistake I made a long time ago was doing exactly that. I hit the ground running and I hit the ground running too hard because what happened was had I done what I tell everybody to do now and what we do now, spend 30 or 60 days and just sit on your hands, just relax, figure out what's going on at the property, figure out what you didn't no, because no seller tells you everything. They just don't. They're trying, they, 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 you know, most of them are honest people, but there's things that they may not even know. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I like to do that is because now 30, 60 days later, I have the opportunity. Remember I said I like to reevaluate my business plan, my renovation plan. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I do because there's things that you might not know. The mistake I made a long time ago was spending money too quickly then I learned some things that I wish I would have held back money for. So that didn't mean that that we didn't do those things. I just reached into my own pocket to pull the right. money out to do those things. So, What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Yeah, to grow my life to the next level is just continue to learn. This business has always been about learning for me and getting a feel for how different people look at it and and so, uh, you know, I'm a voracious reader. I spend constantly, I, I spend way more time reading than I do watching TV. And that's the number one thing that is going to hopefully continue to propel us to the next level. Perfect. Finally, Kenneth, where can people find out more about you? 
Sure. So two things. One, go to our website, kriproperties.com. The other thing I would say, if you go to kriproperties.com slash ebook, I wrote it. It's a short ebook. You can download it. But here's why I think your listeners might like it. I talk about two things. Number one, everybody knows that you can make a lot of money in real estate, right? They just have to figure out how they're going to participate in that process. Mm-hmm. Some They got to figure out, do I buy a duplex? Do I buy a single family? Do I buy an apartment building myself? Do I go raise money or should I passively invest? So I try to take them through that process because every single person goes through that process and I want to help them through that. Now, the second part of the book talks about, let's assume for a minute that you chose passive investing. You concluded that that's the best way for you to get your share. Is it because it usually is the best way for people to do that? Now, how do you vet sponsors? I give them some insight as to how the business really works, how to spot good sponsors and sponsors that are doing things maybe that are more self-interested than maybe investor focused. And I help you go through that process of vetting sponsors. So it's kriproperties.com slash ebook. Hopefully it, it uh, you know, gives you some value to some of your listeners if they were to look at it. Oh, I'm sure it will. Well, great. Thanks, Kenneth, for taking the time today to share your knowledge on our show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks. Ken. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.